Welcome to the Manifestment Podcast. My name is Jennifer Lay, and I am a manifestation and success coach here to help you create abundance in all areas of your life. On this show, we explore the power of the mind and spirit to create a life that is truly fulfilling. If you're interested in mindset, spirituality, law of attraction, the subconscious mind, and manifesting your desires, then this podcast is perfect for you. Wherever you're at on your journey, my intention is to provide you with strategies, tips, and tools that will help you consciously co-create a life of peace, purpose, and prosperity. This is where strategy meets spirituality personal development, elevated and refined. Thank you for tuning in and spending time with me today. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Manifestment Podcast. I have an exciting episode for you guys today. I am joined by a very special guest. I'm thrilled and honored to introduce Brian Proctor, the son of the late legendary Bob Proctor, a man who has had a profound influence on the personal development field and whose teachings continue to inspire millions of people around the world. Brian, much like his father, is an incredibly inspiring figure. He's a best-selling author and international speaker, who, by the way, will be speaking in Copenhagen at the True Potential Live event on August 24th, and he'll also be at the Inception Conference in North Ireland on August 25th and 26th. Recently, Brian released a new book, My Father Knew the Secret, which has ranked at the top of the charts in multiple categories in multiple countries. I myself have read the book and can tell you that it is a must read. It was so good that I picked up 30 copies as a gift to my clients. The book takes us into the personal and professional life of Bob Proctor, told through a son's perspective. This book serves as a testament to the powerful legacy that Bob Proctor has left behind, providing readers with intimate details about the man behind the teachings we all know and love. Brian continues his father's mission of empowering people to unlock their potential and reach their highest aspirations. I know that our conversation today with Brian is not only going to be enlightening, but it will also bring us closer to the man who has played such a pivotal role in the personal development journey of so many, including myself. Welcome, Brian, to the Manifestment Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Jennifer. It's really, really good to be here with you. Well, first, I want to say thank you again to you and your lovely, beautiful wife, Corey, for your kindness and generosity. So to give our listeners some context, I loved Brian's book so much that I decided to purchase 30 copies for my clients, as I mentioned. And Brian, being the amazing person that he is, kindly offered to sign and personalize each book. Of course, I was so touched by this gesture, but the thoughtfulness did not stop there. Not only did Brian take the time to sign the books, but he and his wife spent an entire afternoon with my family and me. So my husband, Billy, and then my nine-year-old son, Ethan, we shared stories. We laughed. I even cried at one point when Corey was sharing a story about Bob. So it was a, a very special day. So I just wanted to say thank you again for going out of your way to do that for us. Oh, you're welcome. You know what? That was just, a, it was a wonderful afternoon and it was so great getting to meet you personally and, uh, and Billy and Ethan. It was, it was a great time. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Brian. So let's talk more about your book. My father knew the secret. So for people who have been following Bob's teachings, they are going to absolutely love this book. Mm -hmm. I 
really enjoyed how you included family photos, how you share very personal stories and conversations. As a reader, you, you get this glimpse into who Bob was as a father, as a family man. But what I wanted to point out is even if you're not familiar with who Bob Proctor is, I believe that you're going to find so much value in this book. The, the knowledge, the wisdom that you share in this book, if applied, can truly change your life. And so, Brian, for people who may not be familiar with your father's work, could you share how your book may be able to help those who are feeling stuck or feeling dissatisfied with where they are in life right now? Sure. Yeah. You know, Jennifer, when I started writing this book, um, I started it, gosh, four years ago. I can't hardly believe that now. Uh, so my father was alive when I started to write it. And uh, it, it was great. When, when I came up with the idea, it was actually, in, I was speaking with my wife, Corey, and I said to her, I said, you know, I, I feel like I need to write a book. Um, I, I felt like I had a lot of things uh, about my father that I could share and that I could provide value for people, like you say, that are looking to get unstuck, looking to elevate their life. And the first thing she said to me, she says, you know, everybody in a seminar, whenever you're at a seminar, when my father at that time was doing live, live events, um, the, the big question I always got is, what's it like being Bob Proctor's son? So she says, why don't you write about that? And it was, it was instant no brainer. I thought yeah, that's perfect. So I thought, you know, I can share stories and personal moments and lessons that I learned as a son um, of Bob Proctor's and put it in a book in a format that anybody could read and actually take and apply the lessons to their life right now. Um, so if you didn't know who Bob Proctor was, this book will be just as relevant for you as if you did. Um, you know, my father was really a leader in the self-development industry. Um, for those that don't know, he, he never liked being called a motivational speaker. Um, he felt like he was more of a teacher and he started in the industry back in the late 1960s, early 1970s, when personal development was not an industry, not like it is today. Right. Um, I mean, now it's so popular. There's so right. many people in the space. But when Bob started, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of resistance from people. You, you could count on one hand how many people were in the industry at that time. And yes, there was a lot of resistance. People were thinking, what is this woo-woo stuff, new age, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they just, you know, it, it was a tough, tough slug in the very beginning. Um, and he just persevered. Um, he had taken everything he learned, uh, he applied in his own life. And he did very, very well. So he wanted to teach people now what that was. And that's what got him into the whole personal development movement. And he did. He started teaching back when it was not common. And he was very, very good in the business. He was one of the leaders in the business. But Jennifer, the funny thing, it was, he was not, it was not until he was 72 years old that he actually really impacted the industry. Um, that is when, for, for those of you that may have heard, the movie The Secret came out. Uh, it was back in 2006. And when that movie came out, my father was one of the prominent speakers um, or teachers on that movie. And that elevated him to a whole nother level. Uh, from that point on, he was on Larry King Live, Ellen DeGeneres, uh, Nightline. He was on all kinds of shows. And, and everybody started taking notice, who is who's this Bob Proctor? <laughs> um, so it was it was kind of interesting how that worked. But the book is my take as a son, um, what, what Bob Proctor taught me 
um, that I could use to impact my life. And I, I consider myself, really, I, I live a charmed life. And that is because I was fortunate to have Bob Proctor as a father. And, and this book is just sharing all the intimate lessons and stories and, and things that I learned um, as a son. So you know you're going to get the best of the best. Yes. And I, I feel like you did such a great job with the book. It's one of those books where you can turn to any chapter and you're able to apply the information. This book, I love how actionable it is. I love how at the end of each chapter, you provide those actionable tips. There's also a section to write notes, which I really appreciate. Um, and yeah, I think overall you did such an amazing job distilling this information. I mean, it's not easy to do. And so we're going to get more into that, but mm. in the book, there's a section on attraction and I have a really great law of attraction story to share with you. I think that you're really going to enjoy it. So last month on July 5th, to be exact, I received your book in the mail. Mm -hmm. I started reading it. I mean, I was so drawn in from the beginning. We'll talk about chapter one in a little bit, mm -hmm. but I just loved it immediately. And on July 7th, so a couple days after I received your book, I wrote on my Instagram story and I went back to my Instagram to write this out so I could read it to you. But on July 7th, I wrote, just thinking how incredible it would be to interview Brian Proctor on my podcast. What do you guys think? Let's manifest it. So that was July 7th. My family and I met you and Corey in person on July 28th. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks after that. And today is August 7th. So exactly a month after putting it out into the universe, here we are. You're on the podcast. So what a story, right? <laughs> hey, you want to hear another little piece of kismet or whatever you want to call it? Um, <laughs> I didn't realize you got the book on July 5th. So my father's birthday would have been July 5th. That oh is, my gosh. So Bob, my, Bob's birthday is on July 5th? That's his actual birthday. Yes. Wow. <laughs> what a story. Yeah, so there you go. Now you got a new addition to that story. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, there are so many people I know who may be skeptical of the law of attraction, law of vibration, being in harmony with the things that you want in life. But for me, I've experienced so many serendipitous things in my life, and I see it in other people's lives as well, that it's really hard for me not to believe it, quite honestly. And in the book, you talk about how you know, Bob was in Colorado at the exact same time when they were filming The Secret. Right. An incredible example of law of attraction. And so can you share with our listeners an example in your life where you attracted the right opportunity, the right person, or the right circumstance? Oh, well, there's a good question. Um, well, if you want a law of attraction, kind of a crazy story, um, I'll, I'll give it to you. I, <laughs> I've always been big on vision boards. Um, I, I really see the value in a vision board. And when you create a vision board, it's not necessarily for your big goal. It's just for things you would like in your life. And one of the things on my vision board was an old car, an Austin Healey. Um, it's just a car. I don't know why. I've always loved it. Um, so it was just something that was on my vision board. It was never a, a big, you know, goal that I was going after or anything of that nature. Well, several years ago, um, my father was being honored, um, at Carnegie hall in New York city for his work. And I like New York city. I don't know if it's a place I could live, but I really like going there. I like the mm -hmm. vibe of the city. And well, there's a, a, 
a website that I'd followed for many years, uh, Cooper Classic Cars, and they're based in New York. And they deal with collector cars. And the cars that they have are usually concourse quality, which is as good as they were when they rolled off the line. So I thought, you know, I'm in town. I'm going to go and check out this place. I got there a couple of days early. And I went down there and the doors were closed. The lights were off. And I thought, wow, that's kind of odd. You know, it was a Saturday afternoon. Uh, but there was a little intercom button. So I, I, I pressed the intercom button and somebody answered. And they said, sorry, we're by appointment only. And so I explained to them and I was just in town for a couple of days. I'd been following them. And, and I said, I'd really like to see, you know, what kind of cars you have in here. So he says, okay, well, you're, you're lucky. I'm, I'm here, so I'll, I'll let you in. He came downstairs wow. and opened the doors, turned on the lights, and my gosh, there's beautiful cars in here. There's Jaguars and, and Porsches and Ferraris. Well, there against the wall was an Austin Healey, a 1962 Austin Healey uh, 3000. And it was in mint condition. I mean, it was just spectacular. And I looked at it, and I thought, wow, this is exactly the car that was on my mm -hmm. vision. The color, everything. And I had never sat in one. I'd seen them in car shows, and I always thought they looked cool. They sounded great. So, you know, I got to sit in it and feel it. And I started talking to them, and the price was really up there. And I mean, I'm that, sure it was in mint condition, you said, right? It, it was in mint condition. I mean, you could eat off the motor. It was... <laughs> Like it was like, like it just rolled off the line mm -hmm. and I talked to him and I, I was a little uncomfortable with the price. It was a very, very high dollar amount. And at that moment in time, Jennifer, I had a house I was renovating. I was doing lots of things that, you know, do I really need to spend money on this right now when I need it for somewhere else? And so I just said to him, you know, let me think about it and, uh, and I'll get back to you. And I left. Well, as I'm walking away, I started thinking, gosh, you know, I was about to turn 55 years old at that time. This is back in 2016. And for me, for whatever reason, 55 has always been my favorite number. Um, I just like the sound of it. I like the feel of it. You know, when I was a kid, it was always the number I put on my sports jerseys. Mm -hmm. And I thought, boy, this would be kind of a cool thing to buy for myself as a birthday present to myself. I'll always then remember this 55th birthday. Yeah. And I still wasn't quite convinced that I do this. Well, I did the one thing that I knew if I did, it would, it would get me to jump the, and I called my father. <laughs> I sent him some pictures of the car and I called him and I said, God, I, God, I saw this car. And you know, he, 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 here, here's the great thing about dad. He's not into collector cars. Um, he wouldn't have understood for the life of him why I'd ever want this. But the first thing he did was he supported me. He says, Brian, if that's what you mm -hmm. want, you gotta go and get it. He didn't inflict his own ideas on me. Yeah. Um, and he basically said, you know, you really should do it. And I was telling him why I shouldn't at the time. He says, well, those are all reasons why you shouldn't or you can't. But why don't you think about how you can or why you should? Well, then I did the thing. I told him, I said, well, I was thinking, you know, it'd be a kind of a cool thing to buy as a birthday present to myself. And he says, yeah, that was, and that was it. That pushed him over the <laughs> that line. That's all it took. <laughs> That's all it took. So he said, he said it in no uncertain terms. He says, you need to go and do this for yourself. Mm. He says, you know, so often we don't treat ourselves well. Um, he said, you need to go and do this for yourself. And when you do, you will, you will feel so much better about it. So I said, okay. So I went back and I got on the, uh, I met this fellow that was there, got on, on the phone with the owner of the dealership, this kind of place and negotiated a deal that was still pretty heavy duty, but you know, it was reasonable. 
And uh, I sat up, went upstairs, did all the paperwork. And I'm walking back to the hotel afterwards, feeling good, feeling a little nervous, a little scared because I really didn't need to make that commitment right now. And as I'm walking back to the hotel, I thought, gosh, I, it'd be nice to get the British Heritage Certificate on this car. I, so I called him up and I said, hey, can you email that to me just so I have something to kind of look at, uh, you know, until the car gets delivered to me? And he said, sure, you'll have it before you get to your room. I got back to my room, Jennifer, and here's the law of attraction at work. Not only was this car on my vision board, the color, mm -hmm. everything. Um, so this car is in 1962, Austin Healey. I was actually born December 8th of 1961. Well, when I opened this up, this certificate, and I started to read it, the car started to be built on December 8th, 1961. Wow. My actual birthday. Wow. I mean, you cannot make that up. Right. So, you know, oh you want a law of attraction uh, message. There's one right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, yeah. my goodness. So this is definitely a really great example, another great example of law of attraction. And, you know, in your book, there are so many stories just like this, mm -hmm. so many golden nuggets, um, so many, like I said earlier, not just stories, but then actionable tips to follow it up. Right. Even an exercise to help you attract the ideal partner. Like mm -hmm. I really liked that chapter. Mm -hmm. Yep. That was amazing. The one that I was hoping that you could expand on and share with the listeners today is MMFI, which you mentioned mm -hmm. was something that Bob taught you when you were nine years old. Yes. And that's how old my son is. So can you share with everyone, what does MMFI stand for and how has it positively impacted your career and personal life? Sure. Yeah. Happy to, you know, it was so funny when, when we got together there uh, last week, it was seeing your son um, and realizing that he was exactly the same age I was when I learned that lesson really drove it home for me. So that was kind of a cool experience. But so my father always taught, um, a valuable lesson, um, and it's a way to treat people. He, he, he called it the, the impression of increase. And essentially what the impression of increase is, is leaving everybody that you come in contact with feeling better because they came in contact with you. It's really a simple concept. And this is how I learned it. Um, when I was nine years old, uh, I was going into grade four. I was born in Toronto, so I started school in Toronto. We then moved to England, so I had to start a new school in England. Then we moved back to Toronto, had to start a new school in Toronto, and then we moved to Chicago. Um, so I had to start a new school in Chicago. So by grade four, this is already like my fourth school. Mm -hmm. I was constantly that new kid at school and it kind of bothered me. So I can, I can even remember where I sat with that when we talked about this. Um, it was in a den on this house on uh, Maplewood Lane in Glenview, Illinois. And I said to him, I said, dad, I said, I'm really nervous about starting school again. I'm the new kid. And he just, in a real calm way, he says, Brian, this is what you do. He says, everybody you meet, everybody you talk to at school, put these four letters across their head, M-M-F-I. And I looked at him and he says, what it stands for is make me feel important. If you can make everybody you're talking to feel important, he says, you'll make friends instantly and you will get on great in the world. And it's, it's such a simple concept and we overcomplicate too many things in life. Mm -hmm. But if, if we can make everybody we come in contact with feel important, make them feel better because they met you today, you will get on in this world. And, and I did, I got, I, I made friends really quickly. 
Um, I subconsciously, I guess, used that for years and years and years. I didn't realize that I was using it until I was, uh, I was 26 years old and I was in a seminar in California. I was in real estate at the time. And the fellow that was running the seminar, it was about 2,000 people in the room. I was sitting right at the front of the room. Well, he had heard that it was my first year in real estate, and I was already in the top 100 for an international real estate firm for sales. So I was doing very, very well. And he asked me up on the stage, and he said to me, he says, why are you so successful in this business right out of the gate when so many people are struggling? Mm -hmm. And that's when it really hit me. It took me back to when I was nine years old. And all I did was... I just focused on whoever was in front of me. I made them feel important. I made them feel heard. Um, you know, whether it's a genuine compliment, asking, you know, interesting questions and actually listening and being present. You know, if we can make people feel better because they were in our presence, if we can make them feel seen and valued, we may change the course of their day. And if we're really lucky, we may change the course of their life. And that's a Absolutely. wonderful thing. You know, and if and if we can do that, my gosh, Jennifer, we're going to get on in this world in such a great way. Um, yeah. And and I always found that by treating people that way, number one, you make them feel valued. Um, but number two is they want to do business with you. And I got referrals. I you know everybody wanted to work with me because I made them feel valued. It wasn't about me; it was about them. And yeah. I think if we can switch to that kind of mindset, we'll we'll do great in the world. And that's exactly what you and Corey did for, for me and my family. You guys made us feel so seen, so special. And it also inspired us to think about how can we make other people feel this way too? Mm -hmm. um, it's this ripple effect. I think to your point, it's how can you make the other person feel important, which reminds me of a saying, and I don't know where it came from, but it's, it's really easy to remember. So focus on being interested instead of being interesting. Right. Right. And so I was explaining to Ethan, um, MMFI and the saying of focus on being interested in the other person. Mm -hmm. This was after the afternoon we spent together, we came home and I remember you telling us that you were around his age when he learned this. So Billy and I said, you know what, let's teach him. And so, of course, he, he said, well, how do I make people feel important? Mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it's, well, ask questions. Ask questions to get to know the person. Give a genuine compliment. If you like their shoes, if you like their shirt, I mean, something that you just genuinely like, let them know. And um, again, you also mentioned listening. Listening, making eye contact, all of those things can, can really help people to feel seen. And so I love that. I love that. Bob taught you that at a very young age and hopefully, hopefully Ethan, hopefully it internalizes and he remembers. Um, of course, as parents, we're going to have to keep reminding him, but it's, it's something that's so important. And I think a lot of us, we grow up and we don't even realize this and we feel so like paralyzed or feel so much anxiety in social situations. Right. But right. if we just focus on being interested instead of being yeah, you know, I, I and and that I, I wholeheartedly agree with. I think if you are interested in the other person, it'll never be awkward. Um, right. It'll always be easy to carry on a conversation, and people respond to that. You know, it's so often we hear conversations that one-upmanship. If somebody says they did something, oh, I did that too, and then you try to up that, right. it doesn't do any good. You know, sometimes let that person bask in the glory of whatever they did. Even if mm -hmm. you did it better, they don't need to hear that. Let them bask <laughs> in that glory. 
and celebrate them. If you can do that, they feel seen, they feel heard, and you make them feel important. And that's, exactly. a, that's, a, that's a gift. I love that. Well, there are so many stories, like I said, in the book from Pup the Seal, which <laughs> Ethan loves that story, uh, to the red sweater and Bob's yo-yo, yo-yo tricks. Yep. I, I'm going to have to Google or Google or YouTube and see if, what is it? The brain twister. I want to see if that lives somewhere on the internet. Cause I would love to see Bob doing yo-yo tricks on stage. Uh, but can you share any funny or heartwarming memories of Bob that didn't make it into the book? Ooh, uh, <laughs> funny or heartwarming. Gosh, you know, there's so much. Um, I mean, you know, for me, I will say the last, the last week of his life was heartwarming for me. There's things that, that he said to me that I, quite frankly, I won't share. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. my wife knows about them, but here, here was the cool thing about dad. He never shied away from letting you know how he felt. And he made sure before he was gone that I knew how he felt about me. And that was such a gift. That was such a great thing about him. Um, you know, he was never, he was never afraid of being vulnerable. Um, that was a gift. Um, so that's, you know, that's something I didn't really put in the book. I might have a little bit, but um, you want a fun fact. Um, my dad loved to dance. Um, he was a great dancer. Um, we had a 80th birthday celebration for him in Las Vegas. He loved Las Vegas. Um, the Bellagio Hotel was his place. He really enjoyed the Bellagio. <laughs> and we had a big celebration there. A whole bunch of people flew in for his birthday. And they actually hired um, like um, dancers. Um, what's, what's that television show? Um, Dancing with the Stars? Dancing with the Stars. Um, so it was just like that. It was mm -hmm. like a Dancing with the Stars group or troupe. And they were incredible dancers. Well, dad got up and started dancing with them. And he was <laughs> as good as they were. It was it was so fun to watch. Um, you know, so there's a little tidbit. A lot of people haven't, uh, you know. I remember know when you were signing the books, I asked you, what are, what are things that people would be surprised to know about Bob? And you mentioned that he is actually an introvert or he's more of an introvert, yes. which is very surprising because he is just so charismatic on stage. He has such mm -hmm. a presence about him. Um, but at the same time, I could relate to that because I think a lot of people look at me and think that I'm an extrovert, but I, I would consider myself to be an introvert. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned was that he loves grilled cheese and tomato <laughs> soup. <laughs> if we were on the road and a restaurant had grilled cheese and tomato soup on the menu, I guarantee you that is what he got. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he just, so, you know, uh, gosh, on his birthday, um, we, Corey and I celebrated his birthday. I made grilled cheese and tomato soup for dinner just to, you know, Aww. yeah, that was, that was one of his crazy special meals. He really enjoyed. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've seen some of your past interviews and you have always expressed how fortunate you feel to have grown up with Bob as your father mm -hmm. and to have learned such valuable timeless information at a young age. I mean, we're talking about the formative years when the subconscious mind is wide open and soaking in everything that we're learning. Um, and what I'm curious to know though, and actually let me give you some 
context. Sure. So Billy and I recently, we've been talking about how there are so many things that our parents told us when we were younger, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, when we're younger, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Mm -hmm. And it's not until we're older that we realize how right they were or how mm -hmm. true their words were. And so I'm curious to know for you reflecting on your father's teachings, was there a particular lesson or principle that didn't resonate with you when you were younger, or maybe, maybe not that it didn't resonate, but you just didn't think too much of it, but then you came to deeply understand or appreciate as you got older. Well, you know, I think when I, when I think about that, I guess I started so young that I just mm -hmm. basically accepted everything that was taught to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I will tell you one thing that drove me crazy was <laughs> When I achieved something big in my life, um, a big goal that I was working really hard towards, it could have taken me three or four years to get to. Um, once I had achieved it, you know, I wanted to celebrate that achievement. My father, the first thing he would do with me is say, well, what's next, Brian? What's next? And it wasn't like this big celebration of the goal. It was like, what are I going to do next? Well, God, I just did this, you know, and that, that used to frustrate me. And it wasn't until later that I actually understood the value in it, that the goal, the big thing that we're going after is great. And if we achieve it, magnificent. But for dad, he always said that the real learning takes place in getting moving towards your goal. Mm -hmm. Once you achieve it, then you understand what you had to do to get there. But it's the learning and stepping out and doing things that you didn't know how to do, or you would do things in a day you would never normally do to get there. That's the learning. That's the value. And that's what he would celebrate. So for him, once you achieved it, that was kind of like an afterthought. So he was always like, well, what are you going to do next? How are you going to keep growing? Right. And now I realize how valuable that is because so often, uh, I, I think, I think to some people that you, you, you could speak to, you know, I, I'm in my sixties. So, you know, I talk to some people and they're still relishing when they were in high school on a football team, how great they were mm -hmm. and they hit some achievement then. And then they just loop that in their head for the rest of their life. And it's like, boy, how sad is that? But there's no um, growth there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, he was always like, what's next? What can you do to keep growing? And I realize now how important that is so that we don't, yes, we celebrate our wins right. for sure, but we don't let them define who we are. We don't let, we don't settle that that's it for us. Um, you know, we just go on to the next thing and what other big thing can we do? And he was always big about always moving forward, striving for new, you know, new heights, new things. And it wasn't until I was older that I really realized the value in that. Yeah. I, I remember watching a lot of Bob's videos where he talks about exactly that, that goals are not for getting goals right. are for growing. You know, That's what right. you get is a byproduct. And for people who are listening to this story that you're sharing, uh, this conversation that you had with Bob, if they're not familiar with Bob's teachings, they might misinterpret that. You know, you got to have a next thing that you're after, but it's not so much what you're after. It's who you're becoming and how you're growing as an individual. So I love that I, I watched these videos and, you know, read the books and it's what he lived by and it's what he yeah. taught you. And that's amazing. Well, you know, like I enjoyed writing this book, Jennifer. Um, 
there was times it was hard after he passed away. It was very, very difficult. Um, but I just know that whether you knew Bob Proctor or you didn't know him, um, this book, the lessons that he taught and how I share them, uh, you will be able to take those lessons. Uh, you'll actually get to see how to apply those lessons so that you can elevate your life, no matter where you're at. If you're successful, you can be even more successful. If you're struggling, you need to, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning of this, you know, for people that are stuck, it's how to get unstuck. Um, yeah. It's written in a way that if you knew Bob or not, doesn't really matter. If you know him, that's, it'd, it'd be a nice touch to it. But if you didn't, you'll probably want to search him out. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and to your point, regardless of where you are on your journey, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. I I can attest to that. Um, going back to what we were just talking about, you know, things that our parents tell us, but it doesn't really resonate until we get older. One thing that I wanted to just add to that um, little bit is it's amazing that when you learn this when you're younger. Um, it really does, it, it, you internalize it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am trying my best to teach Ethan these principles and these concepts, even though I know that he might not be able to fully grasp it at mm -hmm. nine years old. I do know that he's listening and I know that over time it's, it's programming, it's, it's programming, programming his mind so that when he's older, he doesn't have to do as much unlearning and relearning, right? right? Because I think for so many of us, we, we don't learn about this in school. So we don't understand the power of our mind. We don't understand what a paradigm is and how it plays a role in our lives. And so when we finally learn it, and unfortunately some people don't ever come to this realization, but for those who do, it's this process of unlearning and relearning and working on reprogramming and that takes time but for you what a blessing what a blessing that you grew up with this information and learned from the very start well, um, and so for any parents that are listening pick up this book teach it to your kids because it really can make such a big difference and and set them up for success at an early age yeah here, here's one of the things jennifer that uh that dad really did that really drove that home he didn't preach um at at us um he didn't hammer it down our throat. Um, he lived it mm. and he taught by example, you yes. know, he, he truly taught by example. And as a parent, it's great if you can live the material and show your kids that you're doing it yourself, they'll want to do it more. And sometimes even just sharing with your kids, the struggles that you're having and what you're doing to get through those struggles, you're teaching them a lesson without teaching them. Um, and there's a lot of value in that. Like I knew when dad was going through hard times, mm -hmm. when he was struggling to get his message out there, trying to get an audience, um, he would openly discuss it. Um, and he would say what he was doing. So I, I really learned how he had his persistence was such a strong force in him. He just kept going forward. No matter what was happening to him, he didn't let it take him off course. And uh, it's great. That's a great way to teach. That's a really great segue to this next question that I have for you. So this next question, I hope that it can help someone out there who may just need a gentle reminder that patience is indeed a virtue and good things take time. I think it's a reminder that we all need every now and then, especially in this day and age with social media, it can be easy to compare your journey to another person's journey to compare, you know, your day one with someone's day 100. Mm -hmm. And then also on top of that, right, we live in a world that's very instantaneous. 
I bought your book on Amazon. I got it the next day, right? Like a lot of things are instant. And so I think that can lead to, I don't want to say unrealistic, but expectations that things will happen overnight or expect immediate results. But the truth is everyone has to start somewhere and success takes time. It takes commitment and dedication. You know, Bob is remembered as a legend, but what a lot of people may not realize is that he spent over 60 years studying and perfecting his craft. Um, in the book, you talk about the famous chalkboard and how Bob traveled with it. You wrote, he was on the road with that crazy contraption <laughs> on top of the car. We got plenty of looks hauling that thing around and had plenty of laughs. Yeah, I love that part. It really painted a picture. Uh, but can you take us back to the humble beginnings and share with us what that was like? Sure. Uh, you know, that chalkboard, it was, that was a fun story to write because <laughs> boy, I can remember carrying that thing. And on a windy day, it could pull you through a parking lot. It was, <laughs> it was really something, but you know, dad was so committed to teaching the material and this chalkboard was just a vehicle for him to create visual images that would go along with his teaching. And it was important that those images were clear for the, whoever he was teaching to. Well, in the early days, as I said, back in the 1970s, even 1980s, uh, people were not into self-development like they are today. And he would hold a preview. He'd, he'd get a room for, you know, 500 people and maybe 50 people would show up. Um, I know in the, some of the early days, he, he rented a theater once that would hold a couple of thousand people and he had like maybe six people show up. Um, here's the thing about that. He never let that throw him off. Um, he still taught to whoever showed up as if the room was full. And he was so committed to what he was teaching and the value and how he knew it could change a person's life that when things were tough for him, he didn't let that throw him off track. Um, as I said earlier, he was just persistent. He just kept moving forward. And, you know, like you say today, especially social, social media uh, makes you know, it looked like everybody's living such a great life. Well, you're seeing the best of somebody's life. You're not seeing their, their struggles yeah. uh, most yeah. of the time. And, you know, we also need to learn that sometimes life is going to have a bit of a struggle. Um, and, you know, my father was a great example of that. There was a lot of times that he really struggled. Um, but he was passionate about what he was doing. And if I'm to share anything with, with whoever is listening to this or watching this is find what you're passionate about and then really go all in for it. Because if you're passionate about it, you're going to continue to do it even when times are tough. And when you keep forging forward with persistence, you know, for your passion, you will make it to the other side and you will be a success. Um, I'm not gonna promise that, you know, one week of diving into this material, you're gonna be a changed person. But I will promise you this, that if you keep working on this, like this book, you keep reading the material and you practice it, six months from now, your life will be different. I promise you that. And there's value in that. You know, I, I try to put everything in this book that will give you what you need to live a better life, to get unstuck. Um, it, it, and it's powerful. Like I said in the beginning, I did. I, I feel like you did such an amazing job distilling this information, which can be very complicated, you know, but you, you made it so easy to digest. Um, and just going back to what you said earlier, I mean, wow, a theater of how many, like six people that showed up, you know, these are stories that we don't often hear about. Um, and with social media, we see the successes, we see the highlights, but 
on the road to success, there are going to be failures, quote unquote failures or, or, um, hard times, challenging times. But again, it's all about who you become in the process. And so I, I love hearing those stories. It's very inspiring and great advice that you gave about following your passion, because when you do, you will find a way you're not going to want to give up. I think that's really important, especially for young people these days where they feel pressured to, you know, pursue a career that their parents want them to pursue or to pursue something that they think they should do. It's about following your, your own desire, like your true heart's desire. And that's, what's going to help you to persevere. So I love that advice. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Uh, so one of my favorite affirmations Mm -hmm. was inspired by Bob and it is money flows to me easily and effortlessly from multiple sources in increasing quantities consistently and continuously. Mm-hmm. I remember that I, I don't say it as much anymore because I feel like I actually believe that now. Whereas before when I was doing the, the programming, it felt like a lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but Bob always talked about repetition, right? If you, if your parents called you by your name one time, are you going to know that that's your name? No, you gotta, it's spaced repetition. And so I would, I remember saying this affirmation all the time when I'm driving, when I went, the first thing that I would say when I woke up before I would go to sleep. And the reason why this was important for me to do is because I realized that I had a belief about money that wasn't serving me. Mm-hmm. I grew up thinking that you have to break your back to earn money. So with that belief, I was working around the clock. I was always burning out. And that just led to a lot of unhappiness, resentment. And, you know, this is something that's very common as a coach. Now I see that a lot of people, they may desire financial abundance, but there are disempowering or limiting beliefs about money that are keeping them stuck. Whether that be that they believe money is extremely hard to earn. It's bad to want more money. You should just be satisfied with what you have or, you know, only lucky people are born into wealth. And so my question for you is, can you recall a conversation that you had with Bob about money, perhaps one where he shared insights or advice on wealth and abundance? You know, yeah, his, his view on money is that money is a servant. Um, and that's really it. Money is, you know, he's, there was always that saying, you know, if I had enough money, I'll be happy. He says, money's not going to buy you happiness. Money will make you more comfortable. Um, but that's about it. Um, you know, money is, is meant to be used and it's just, it's just a means. Um, and, and he always taught me that he says, never let money dictate how you live or, you know, how you do things. Um, he says, it's just, it's just a tool. And you'll find that people that end up with more money, they just become more of who they are. Right. You know, my, yes. Mm-hmm. My father was an extremely giving man. Um, and the more he earned, the more he gave away. Um, he just, he was, he, he was such a philanthropist. I mean, he did so much good in the world. Um, and other people, when they earn more, they, you know, if they're not a nice person, they become an even, you know, meaner person. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm sure that everybody can think of people like that in their lives. So he always taught me that money is not to be looked at like a God or, or some crazy big thing. It's just a tool. And that if you want to attract more money in your life, provide more service. 
He said, the more good you can do for people and the more service that you can provide, the more you will be rewarded. Uh, that's it. He says, money will come to you as a, as a reward for your service. So if you can think of ways that you can provide better service for people, you will earn more money. Uh, you know, there's so many things today, Jennifer, like online that you can find ways to earn an income. Uh, you know, a lot of times I can remember in seminars, um, there'd be doctors or teachers and they would say, I want to earn more money, but I really love being a doctor. I really love being a teacher. And dad would always say, well, keep doing what you love because mm -hmm. that feeds your soul. It's your psychic income. But there are other things you can do on the side, multiple sources of income uh, that on you may side. also have a passion <laughs> for that, mm -hmm. you know, you can start to build a secondary income from. And he, he, he just said, if you can provide more service, you can do more good for people, you will, you will then attract more money into your life. I love that. Yeah. I, I remember Bob always saying that money just makes you more of who you are. Right. And I think that's really important for people to understand because money isn't bad. It's neutral. And the more money that you have, the more you're able to help, the more you're able to be more generous. And so again, going back to what I said earlier, I do see a lot of people with these beliefs around money that, you know, money is bad is the root of all evil. We kind of grow mm -hmm. up hearing people say these things, um, but we don't need to take on those beliefs. And so thank you so much for sharing that. Going back to your book, mm -hmm. uh, what touched me so much was reading about how Bob continued to record and teach even when his health was declining yes. and watching some of his final videos, you would never be able to tell that he wasn't feeling well. And so your dad's commitment and, and passion for helping people, can you share how that has inspired you? Well, dad had a saying, Jennifer, he says, a pro is at their best regardless. Um, and he would say that all the time. And <laughs> that, that to me, yeah, I, I, to, that just resonates with me. And I love that. You know, if we can be the best version of, of us today and be the best version of us every single day, boy, we're going to get on in this world. And that was my father. He lived it. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned, his last couple of months, uh, that he was here, he was not doing well. He was in a lot of pain. Um, he was not doing well. And he still had a passion to teach this material. And I can remember, boy, getting him ready to mm -hmm. go out to do a recording or to do a, a, a live, uh, you know, broadcast with people. It took everything out of him. But once he got in his chair behind his desk and the cameras were on, you would have never known he was not feeling well. His whole focus was on what can he teach that's going to help who's ever watching live a better life. That was it. That's Once it was done, I mean, he'd be beat. He'd have to take a nap, whatever it was, would be. But he always said a pro is at their best regardless. And we'll always, there'll always be things that can happen in our life that could be negative. We can have, you know, like my father, when he was sick at the end and wasn't doing well, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty big negative. A lot of people would have just laid in bed and say, oh, woe is me. He didn't do that. He was at his best regardless. It didn't matter what kind of pain he was. It, it, he had such a passion to teach that he kept on doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need. We need to be driven by something greater than ourselves. And if we can find what that is and start working towards that, you'll work through stuff that you would never normally go through. Um, and that's, that's how my father lived his life. And he, he proved it right up till the day he passed away. I mean, he was still studying the day before he passed away. Um, 
he just, he never believed he knew it all. That's also an important thing. And he just, he kept studying and he wanted to, to teach whoever he could right up until he was gone. That's incredibly inspiring. And it goes back to what you said earlier, find the thing that you're passionate about. No. There's that cliche saying, do what you love and you'll never work another day in your life. I believe that to be true. Obviously that doesn't mean that there, there won't be tough times and whatnot, but I do think even from my own experience, when I left the corporate world to pursue what I'm doing now, I wake up excited about my work. It doesn't feel like work. I feel inspired and motivated, just intrinsically motivated mm -hmm. um, to do this. And so I think there is a lot of truth in doing what you love so that you're not. Well, you know, and you know, and, and another thing, Jennifer, is he always taught me to look for the good in everything. Um, you know, we can have bad things happen to us, but we need to, to harvest the good out of it. Mm -hmm. And he had a statement that I always loved when he talked in the seminar. He says, you cannot change the time you got out of bed this morning. And I love that statement. And what that really means is that whatever has happened to us in the past has happened in the past. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't change it. But in the present moment, we can be the best version of us. We can do the best thing for us. If we don't live in the past or live in the future, but we live in the present moment and do what we can right now, your life will change. It really will. You, you will get out of that loop that goes on in your, in your head about, you know, maybe something that happened to me um, yeah. a while back and, and, you know, letting that dictate your life. Um, he, he was never about letting the bad things dictate how his life was going to be. So in my office, I actually have a couple of things inspired by Bob, the book Stan being one of them, because I know that he loved to study a page for, you know, weeks or months or whatever mm -hmm. it was until he felt like it, he really understood it. So I have, um, a book stand, but I also have this, a sand timer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, I remember watching one of his videos. This was, I can't remember, um, which one it was. It was a long time ago where he basically talked about how the sand on the bottom is the time that's past. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. Um, and it's important to, to focus on the present. And the truth is you don't know how much time you have, right? The stand on the top. I mean, he covered it with a book. He's so, he's such a visual person, which mm -hmm. makes learning so much easier. But yeah, I have this, um, because it's true, right? I think a lot of times we are stuck in the past based on the story that we keep telling ourselves, but it's how can we extract the good and let, let the rest go. Right. Um, okay. So Chapter one, like I said, it was, it really drew me in, mm -hmm. I think because my, my father passed away, um, last December. And so a lot of the things that you shared in there, it just really resonated. And it, it reminded me of, of what I went through as well. And so without, um, giving away too much, can you briefly share with our listeners what chapter one is about? Um, I know that it was your favorite to write, but also the hardest to write. So could well, you share yeah. a little bit with our listeners? Yeah. So the first chapter was really about the last few weeks of my father's life. Um, and the lessons, you know, I learned from him, his final lesson, I think I, you know, the name of the chapter is my, the final lesson. Um, here, here was the cool thing with dad. Um, in that chapter, I talk about a lot of things, but he treated everybody around him so, so well, you know, we talked in the beginning of this call about the MMFI make me feel important. Dad lived that right up until he, he passed away. And 
we were in the hospital. I was, I spent hours and hours in the hospital with him and we just held hands all the time. Um, he just wanted to hold hands and he would have nurses come in and they're trying to put in another IV and they were having trouble finding a vein. And so they're poking and prodding. And, you know, so many times you hear people like that and they get, you know, people in a hospital like that, they're yelling at the nurse yeah. or thank you because it's hurting or doing this. Mm -hmm. and dad was not into that stuff at all. Um, you know, I, 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 re I remember it as clear as day. He put his hand on top of the nurse's hand and he just said, you know what, dear, you're doing a wonderful job. Don't worry about it. You just keep doing what you need to do. You'll find it. And he just made her feel valued and didn't mm -hmm. make her feel bad because she was having trouble finding the vein. Um, you know, it, it, just the final lessons, really, of how he treated people when he was at his worst. Yeah. Um, really, it, it just taught, you know, like I said, a pro is at their best regardless. And he was always the best version of him regardless. And that was that was a powerful lesson at the end. And just yeah. the way he treated people. Um, it was a hard chapter to write for sure. Um, but I think there's some really valuable lessons there that, uh, that we can all learn from. Dealing with loss and grief. It, it's so unique. Everyone deals with it differently. Um, I know that I had a lot of emotions that I need to process. And so journaling was very therapeutic. Did you find writing this book was therapeutic in a way for you? Um, would just be curious to know, you know, what was helpful for you or what was comforting for you after your father transitioned? Because I think that that could be very helpful for people who are going through something similar. Writing the book was a big help. Um, now, I after he passed away, it took me a couple of months before I could even start writing again. Yeah. Um, it was very emotional. Um, my wife was a huge help. Um, you know, when I was writing and I was really having, a, I get emotional even thinking about it right now. But she could tell every time I was really struggling and, you know, she just, she would just hold me. Um, and that was, that was just a great thing. Um, what has helped me, I think the most Jennifer has been the response to this book. Yeah. Um, you know, this book I've said many times, this book is not about me. This book is about my father and everything he taught me, um, and how to apply it in the world. And this was my way of helping carry on his legacy. Well, the response that I have gotten from the book, from people that have read it, yourself included, um, that's what's helped me the most. It's been so heartwarming. It's been so well-received. And people are applying some of the messages already. They're, they're starting to do some of the exercises. And seeing them live the lessons that my dad taught and altering their life and what they're writing and telling me, that's, that's been it for me. Um, they call that psychic income and yeah. I'm getting a lot of psychic income from this. The response has been just tremendous. I love that. You deserve it all, Brian. Oh, I mean, again, you. it is such an incredible book and I'm so glad that it's out there in the world. It's going to help millions of people all around the world. Um, let's talk a little bit about the process of writing this book in terms of, you know, you having this idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's, I mean, let's be honest, setting out to write a book that encapsulates lifelong teachings of Bob Proctor, not, <laughs> not easy, right? It's no small right. feat. And so what has helped you to bring this idea and vision to fruition? Because a lot of people, they have a big goal, but it feels intimidating or it feels overwhelming and they don't take any action towards it because of that overwhelm. And so can you give right. any advice oh, um, sure. and just share your experience writing this book and putting yeah, it out? So this is this is something I learned from dad a long time ago in the seminars. Um, 
he said, he says, if you want to be really good at something, all you need to do is focus on it for even 30 minutes, 30 minutes to an hour every day. He says, if you focus on something for 30 minutes to an hour every single day, you will become so good at whatever it is. And it's like, uh, you know, it, he studied the mind and how the mind works and how we can change our paradigms, but he studied it every single day. That's why he was an expert. Mm -hmm. And he said, even comes to writing a book, when he wrote his first book, all he did was got up an hour earlier and just wrote for an hour every day. And in a matter of a year to two years, my gosh, you have hours and hours of concentrated effort on something. So that's what I did. I started writing a little bit every morning for maybe an hour. And I didn't let the process overwhelm me. I knew that I would get there if I just focused a little bit each day. And my wife helped me tremendously. Um, after dad passed away, you maybe call it writer's block or whatever. I was struggling with being coherent in my message. And Corey said to me, she said, Brian, you know what you should do? Just write 500 words. Wake up in the morning, write 500 words. And after you've done the 500 words, go off and do whatever you want to do. Go fishing, go, you know, uh, riding a bicycle, do whatever the heck you want to do for the rest of the day. But just, just write 500 words. And I thought, wow, that's, that makes it so much easier than the overwhelming thing of I've got to do this whole book. And so I started doing that. I just started writing 500 words. And sometimes those 500 words would take me 20 minutes. Other times it might take me two hours. Um, but that's all I did. And in no time, I had the book done. Um, you know, so with anything we want in life, um, the rewards are there if you just focus on it, even just a little bit every day. You don't have to do it all at once. But my gosh, if you did a little bit every day, imagine where you'd be just one year from now. Yeah, and that's, that's all we have small to steps that add up over time. It reminds me of that quote, I think, by Mark Twain, the the secret to getting ahead is getting started. The secret to getting started is taking your big, you know, goal and breaking it down into manageable steps. So I love right. that. So yeah. you guys hear, right, this book that's selling all over the world and doing so well. It started with Brian writing 500 words a day. <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so something that we talked about when my family and I met you and Corey was how Bob was often described as having an, an incredibly youthful energy. He mm -hmm. was always curious, inquisitive. Uh, he was easily fascinated even well into his later years. Mm -hmm. And if you can't tell by now, I'm a walking quote machine, but that <laughs> reminded me, uh, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. And right. so can you share with us what, what did Bob enjoy doing during his spare time when he wasn't teaching and when he oh. wasn't ballroom dancing? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. His passion was what he taught. Mm -hmm. Um, so in his spare time, he was reading books. Um, he was forever reading new books. Um, you know, somebody that he really liked to study, he would just you know, you mentioned the book stand, he would study one or two pages for days or weeks or months sometimes. Um, his passion was studying. He really loved to study. He just felt he would be a better teacher the more he knew. So that was that was his big thing. Um, the other thing you, you, you would find him, especially in the summertime, just sitting in his backyard, enjoying everything that was around him. You know, I have so many memories sitting in the backyard with him. And, and he'd say, Brian, isn't this great? Just look at this. Look at the trees, the birds, the flowers. Mm -hmm. He was grateful for everything. Um, and he just enjoyed the moment. He enjoyed just being. I love that. 
you know, when people talk about being present, as I'm trying to encourage my clients to be more present, the way that I've explained it is it's, it's not dwelling in the past. It's not thinking about the future. It's being in this moment and noticing. So noticing nature, as in Bob's case, listening to the birds, that's noticing the sound of nature, noticing your surroundings. And so I love that. How has Bob influenced your approach to mindfulness and living a peaceful life? He always said to me, he says, Brian, do things that you love, you know, mm -hmm. make sure that you're always doing things you love. And I mean, one of those things, fishing, I love to fish. Um, and, and you caught so a big one recently. I saw yes, I did. <laughs> um, and you know, he, he, he said to me, he says, just get out and fish more, you know, do some of the things that you really enjoy more. Um, because what you find is that when you do some of the things that you just really enjoy, you will then also become more effective at whatever you're doing with work because you've given your mind a break and you've done something that gives you joy. Um, it makes you a more interesting person and it refreshes you so that you can dig in to do whatever it is that you're going after and chase after. So that was, that was a big thing. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we've, we've talked about it a few times, but you know, that sand timer, um, I have it on the cover of the book. You're right. Um, yeah. But I never talk about it in the book. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he was always about living in the present moment and how important that is. Um, you know, at the beginning of this uh, episode, you, you started talking about, you know, how do you get unstuck? Um, you get unstuck by living in the moment, uh, mm -hmm. by living in the present moment. You get unstuck when you stop living in the past and you quit fretting over the future, but do the best you can right now. And that's not always easy to do. I'll give you that. But if you can just keep focused on what is the best thing you can do right now, what can I do in this present moment that's going to better my circumstance in life? And if you do that every day, it's going to add up. And in six months from now, you'll be a different person. You'll be living a different way because you just started being mindful of the present moment and living in that time. Um, we get so worried when we think about what the future could potentially hold mm -hmm. or, or strain over what's happened in the past, um, that we become numb and we basically paralyze ourselves. But if you can let that go and just focus on the here and now, you will live a better life. And the other thing, I always love this, you know, would you be friends with somebody who talked to you the way you talk to yourself? Mm, that's powerful. You know, you want to think about that. How, how do you speak to yourself? And it's really important. I know a lot of people, they berate themselves all the time, you know, and that's in their own head. Nobody else sees it. Um, but my gosh, when you see yourself berating yourself now, now that you're aware of it, you're when you're aware and you're doing that next switch, whatever, whatever it takes, start to focus. Okay. What's positive about me? What's the good and quit berating yourself. Talk to yourself the way you would talk to your best friend. Um, yes. I saw your post recently on Instagram about the switch method. This is something that I think would be very helpful for the audience um, listening today. So the switch method, basically it's be becoming aware of when you're thinking negatively and replacing it with something more positive, which I think is just really helpful. This, this specific method, which Bob taught you, right? He did. Yeah. Um, it, it's so helpful in training your mind to think more positively. For me, I find that most of the time it absolutely works, but there are times where it can be a little bit more challenging to reach for 
a better feeling thought or to think of a more positive perspective. And so what helps me in those uh, moments is to reset my energy. I'll do something to focus on something else. And by doing that, I'm able to then find a better perspective. And so some things that work for me, going for a walk, going out, being out in nature, mm -hmm. taking a shower, taking a nap. I think in the book, uh, you mentioned that Bob will pick up his dogs or, you know, watch something funny, which in 2020 during the pandemic, I felt like I did a lot of that. I was watching, <laughs> I think I watched every comedy special on Netflix, but sometimes that's what it takes to raise your vibration, to, um, to be able to shift your energy so that you can then have access to a more positive perspective. And so what works for you? It sounds like fishing is probably one of them, but is there anything else that you like to turn to when you're trying to, you know, recenter and reground yourself? You know, fishing is definitely one of them. <laughs> I just love being out on the boat, out on the water, uh, for sure. Uh, maybe go for a kayak. Um, another one is my wife and I like going for walks. Um, you know, like you had mentioned that you do. Um, we like going for a good long walk just in the trees and, and just, just kind of enjoying the moment, soaking up the trees. And, and I, I always find that when you get out and do that, your whole being starts to feel better. And mm -hmm. no matter what's going on in your, in your life, um, if you change it up and get out and do something different like that, you'll feel better. I'm not going to say you're going to feel perfect afterwards, but you will feel better. And the more you can do to get yourself into that better state of mind, the better, the better you are. So for me, it, it would be fishing, going for a hike or mm -hmm. anything along that line. So the final few questions that I have for you, Bob often talked about the importance of how you start your day, mm -hmm. which he learned from Earl Nightingale. Some of the things that Bob did in the morning, drink water, write down the things that he's grateful for, meditate for guidance, which I love because I think a lot of times people feel like you just meditate to clear your mind and to relax, but you can actually meditate to receive guidance and to tap into your intuition. Can you share with us what your morning routine looks like? Well, you know, the first thing I like to do um, when my wife and I get up is enjoy a coffee out on the balcony and just look out over the water. Um, Which you guys I, is so beautiful. The most beautiful <laughs> view ever. Yeah. It's so we, serene. We call it the morning traffic report. You know, we watch <laughs> for the seals and the birds and whatever's cruising past. Um, you know, so our, our first thing in the day is just that, just enjoying what we're surrounded by. Um, that's always just a peaceful way to start of the day. Um, then I would say, you know, I come into the office, um, I like to write out my goal. Um, I write out my goal every day. I have a little book that I write that, that out into and uh, what I'm grateful for. Um, I think if we can start with, you know, what we're grateful for, it puts us into a good frame of mind because we start thinking about the good that's around us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you write out your goal every day, um, it, it, it keeps you focused on why you're here and what you're doing. Um, and it makes you more effective in the day because you're thinking, okay, what can I do today that's going to get me a little bit closer to that? Um, you know, I remember back when I was in real estate, it, I always lived by the premise, what can I do today to make a deal happen today? And it's not to say I made a deal every day. I didn't, but I was doing the work to find a way to do that deal today. And when you do the very best you can each day towards whatever it is that you're going for, you're going to get there. Um, you're going to get there. Speaking of goals, can you share with us something on your vision board at the moment? Mm -hmm. And I just want to say it's genius that you and Corey, you know, you guys have your vision board in sight where you can see it first thing 
when you wake up. It's also the last thing you see when you go to bed. That's so powerful for impressing the subconscious. So I need to start doing that. I have it on my phone, but you know, it's not good to look at your phone when you first wake up or when you go to bed. So I need to have a physical board, uh, but can you share with our listeners something that you're manifesting at the moment, something that's on your vision board? Well, one of the big things on the vision board is I, I want to get to a hundred thousand sales of the book. Um, I, I just, you know, it, here's a cool thing when you have a goal. Um, this is a big goal for me. And it is because I know that the more hands I can get it into, the better it's going to do uh, for the world, for, for whoever is reading the book. Um, I don't have a clue how to get to those 100,000 sales, but I do know that if I keep focused on it and do whatever I can each day, I will get there. That's it. Um, so that's one of the big things. It's, it's probably the number one top thing on, the, on my vision board. Um, everything else I know how to do or how to, how to achieve. It's just a question of when I want to or you know, when it falls into line. But that is the one thing on the vision board that I don't know how I'm going to get there, um, but I stay focused on it. And I know that by doing the little things, I will eventually find the way and I will get there. Amazing. Well, Brian, how can people find you? I know you have an amazing newsletter. You're on the social platforms. So how can people find you and connect with you and where can they purchase your book? Uh, you can just go to brianproctor.com. Uh, you'll find everything there. Um, there's a link that you can buy the book through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever. Um, so it, that's it. Just go to brianproctor.com or even search it out on Amazon. Um, the, the book is called My Father Knew the Secret, Growing Up with Bob Proctor. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for joining me today. I so appreciate your time. And I know that you're going to reach your goal. Thanks. Know you know what? I love being here. Uh, you are you are truly a great example of what my father taught. And it's oh. wonderful to be on episodes like this with somebody like you. I've, I've really enjoyed this and uh, great conversation with you. Thank you so much. That means so much. Hello, everyone. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I had so much fun interviewing Brian. What an honor to have him on the podcast. If there were parts of the interview that resonated with you, that spoke to you, I would love to know. Please make a post and tag me so that I can reshare it. My hope is that this episode reaches a lot of people because I truly believe in Bob's teachings. It changed my life. It changed my husband's life. And the fact that Brian put these teachings, these timeless principles in a book is amazing. So make sure to grab a copy. My father knew the secret, and I would love it if you could help me spread the word, share this episode with a friend, tag me in your post. My handle is at hello, Jennifer lay also tag Brian as well. So he can see it. His handle is at Brian Proctor official. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in as always i appreciate you and i will see you in the next one thank you for tuning in today if you found this episode helpful in any way it would mean so much to me if you could rate and leave a review for the show so that it can reach more people and make a greater impact it will also inspire me to continue sharing if you'd like to connect or need additional inspiration you can find me on the social platforms including instagram tiktok and linkedin at hello jennifer lay Lastly, I'd like to invite you to follow at Manifestment. Join the Manifestment community to continue creating a life you love through the blend and balance of strategy and spirituality. Until next time, always remember to dream and do. I send you so much love and I wish you abundance in all areas of your life.